This episode is brought to you by Brothers and Bonds Co. With an expertly curated line of Masonic apparel, gifts, and accessories, we're excited to show you what makes us uniquely Brothers and Bonds. As a listener of this podcast, we're offering you 10% off your first order with us. Just use code TRAVELINGMAN at checkout. That's uppercase, all one word, T-R-A-V-E-L-I-N-G-M-A-N. Be sure to find us on Instagram or at brothersandbonds.com. Hello, welcome to episode 58 of the Traveling Man Masonic Podcast here in the 24th District of Ohio, a podcast where we discuss our Masonic journeys, thoughts, family, life, future, connections made through the craft, and so much more. I'm your host, Horseware Brother Jim Hall. On today's show, we'll feature Horseware Brother Jordan Pickens. The opinions discussed on this podcast are those of the individual and do not represent the views of Grand Lodge or any other Masonic body. Thank you for tuning in and enjoy the show. Okay, we are here on episode 58 of The Traveling Man, and we have Worship Brother Jordan Pickens. Jordan, thank you for coming on the show today. Thank you, Jim. I'm uh, glad to be a part of it. Absolutely. It's it's something that, you know, I have a, have a group of people kind of behind the scenes that are always messaging me, people that I could have on, you know, should have on. One of those guys is Chad Kapinski. We always have to mention him. And with him, we may we mentioned Jason Laramie. We're going to get it out of the show early, <laughs> but but no, your your name has come up multiple times from Chad. Hey, this is somebody you should talk to. So you've been on the list, and it's just to the time where I have a spot where it's like this is a good opportunity. Let's do it right now. So I want to thank you. Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Who you are? Where you're from? What do you do? What your blood type is? You know whatever. <laughs> All righty. Well, my name is Jordan Pickens. Um, I live in the beautiful rolling foothills of southeastern Ohio. Okay. Uh, down here in the 12th, magnificent 12th Masonic District. And I wow. have to get that. Sure. That uh, That's uh, trademarked by Worshipful Brother Danny Spurlock, who when Just Rains was master, he peddled no-bake cookies around everywhere to to help uh, with funding for most Worshipful Brother Rains. But Yeah. Magnificent 12th. I'm down here and I'm a history teacher, social studies teacher at my alma mater of Southern High School. Awesome. Uh, I've been a teacher now for nine years and there is no other profession that I would rather be in because I get to share my love of history with people from this area. And one of my favorite things is to incorporate as much local history as possible. Yes. So um, my wife is Kaylee. She's my high school sweetheart. We awesome. uh, started dating in January of our senior year, and we've been together ever since. We've wow. been married since 2013, in October of 2013. And we have two kids, Andrew, who is six and is in kindergarten, and my daughter, Clara, who is four and knows everything. Uh, <laughs> right. Right. And has no filter at all. Sure. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I, I obviously 
watching Facebook and, you know, the little bit that we've talked, I, I knew you were a teacher. Number one, there is a Southern high school in our local league of sports that we play. So anytime you post with a Southern on there, I'm like, <laughs> oh, was he? That's that's in Selineville, isn't it? Yeah. Yes. Okay. Yeah. I always have to reset. I'm like, wrong Southern. <laughs> I yeah. got to get excited there. But yeah. the, the cool thing and watching your posts, I love history. And the majority of Masons have a love of history. It seems to go hand in hand. Right. So anytime that comes up and I get to see posts about, you know, I you, you post a lot of older pictures and whatnot. I, I love that. So that's awesome that you do that. It's funny that you mentioned that Masonry or a lot of Masons have, have a long fascination with history. And I, I had thought about how to talk about this. But uh, I mean, since we're opening the door, Let's do it. Um, our our first worshipful master and really the, the person that we consider the father of masonry in Meigs County was a guy by the name of Marcus Bosworth or worshipful brother Bosworth. OK. And back when Meigs County was founded in 1819, he moved here from he, he originally came from Massachusetts and then came to Portsmouth. But then when Meigs County, you know, was was being founded, he um, he moved here and was the first clerk of courts for our county. Wow. Okay. And then um, pre-Civil War, there was a, a Union Lodge 71 that was founded in Chester, which was the original county seat. And something happened. There was a big anti-Masonry feeling, you know, right before the Civil War. So that lodge kind of folded. Okay. And somehow all their paraphernalia got stored in this barn Whoa. before the Civil War. <clears throat> and okay. uh, so that folded. And then 175 years ago, Pomeroy 164 started. And Bosworth, of course, was the first master of, of Union 71 then became the first master of Pomeroy 164. Wow. Then in 1867 became the first master of Middleport 363. Holy cow. Then in uh, a few years after that became the first master of uh, Shade River 453, which was the new lodge formed in Chester. Wow. Okay. Oh, and our, coming uh, full circle. Yeah, and our our council was named after him of you know Royal Select Masonry. He I just across the road from my house here on State Route One Forty Three um, was the old county infirmary, and he was the first superintendent of the the county infirmary, as well as you know clerk of courts for the county for the first like twenty some years. Yeah, what a mover and shaker! All right, yeah, maybe we do control everything. Who knows? <laughs> maybe we do. All right. That's, you know, that's something, something that I I've come to enjoy doing this podcast is that's not on my notes. I right. had, had absolutely no history thought of that at all. So, and that's yeah. just a little nugget that I'll tell my wife later and she'd be like, okay, <laughs> you know, but yeah, I, I love that. I love that. So let, let's hop back real quick and kind of get your backstory a little bit. Okay. we Fast forwarded right on into the show <laughs> that I love. So how did you find Freemasonry? Was it something that was in your family or just a history thing? What happened? Well, it was distantly in my family. My grandmother's brother 
who's his name was Larry Lavender, okay. was just somebody that, you know, he had an indoor or not an indoor, an in-ground pool growing up. So when the pool closed in my neighborhood, we would just go up yeah. to his house and swim. Sure. And he always had a Masonic ring. Okay. And I would ask him, you know, what's that? And he, well, I'll tell you about it when you're older. Right. But, you know, I, I never really got a chance to because he passed away, you know, in my mid-teen years. Sure. And then my dad's brother-in-law, Tom Lowry, was a, a Mason at Harrisonville 411. Okay. And, uh, you know, I hung out with him all the time, and he kind of talked more about Masonry as I was older enough to talk about it. Yeah. But uh, it really, that seed got planted at their funerals. Oh, sure. Okay. When, you know, when the Masons would come in with the aprons and, and what I thought was just, you know, a piece of a pine tree. It was like, what's this about? <laughs> right. And then they would say something like, so mode it be. And I'm like, what are they saying? What's that mean? Yeah. So it got me thinking about it. And then it really took hold when I was in college. Okay. I had a professor named Dr. Ivan tribe. And if you've followed me on Facebook or, or Instagram, I, I posted a lot about him, but uh, oh. he mentioned it a lot in Ohio history, which was the first class I had with him. Okay. And um, he said, well, you should join Masons. And, yeah. and, you know, kept on me and, and thinking back to when my wife, you know, starting in college, there was a, a cat in the local community band named Don Stivers. Okay. Uh, who was always, you should, you'd be, you'd be a good Mason, you know? you'd be a good Mason. Why don't you join Masonry? And I said, I'll tell you what, let me get through college and I'll take you up on that. Sure. And so fast forward back to college and Dr. Tribe and I ended up writing a book on local history on Meigs County, which yeah. uncovered more local history and, you know, Freemasonry. And we were at a book signing in the main floor of our lodge, which is called the Riverbend Arts Council. They were having a Christmas craft show. And of course, yeah. we were out there peddling our wares, sure. trying to get, get some money because, you know, I'm just out of college and right. looking for money. Um, and Don Stivers just happened to walk by and said, hey, you remember you said that you would be interested in joining Masonry after yeah. you finished college? And he says, you're done now. What's keeping you from it? I said, OK, I'll do it. Let's go. He says, okay, I'll be right back. He ran upstairs and got a petition, brought it down. I filled it out. And Dr. Tribe says, I will be at every single initiation in any body that you take. And whenever you preside as master for inspection, I'll be there. Wow. So lo and behold, you know, that December, I uh, I took my entered apprentice. And, and then fast forward to April of 2015, I'm raised a master mason. And Dr. Tribe played third base. Awesome. Um, and it just went from there. And I've never been one to to do anything half-heartedly when cool. I'm involved in anything. It's always full throttle. So yeah. It, it wasn't shortly after, you know, I was raised a master mason. There was a hole in our line, and our junior deacon, who was Gary Col Coleman at the yeah. time, another one of my close friends. Sure. Um, he was moving up to senior deacon. So I was sitting junior deacon and wow. just hopped in line and then joined York Rite and Scottish Rite. And 
Okay. And the rest is history. The rest is yeah. <laughs> so so you went right in as junior deacon. Right, yeah. Okay. Well that you know, I'm not saying you missed the best chairs, but <laughs> that's yeah. I know when I was I, I sat one year as steward and that was good. <laughs> I was <laughs> I was ready to move on up. Not that I didn't enjoy it and I had right worshipable brother Chris Tiger behind me. He wasn't worshipable then, but we had a we did a good tandem every other meeting meal, but yeah, that was one was good. So, <laughs> so you hopped right into that, and th this is another thing that I, you know, didn't know. What what do you think? Jumping right in at junior deacon, do you think that you were ready? And and obviously we know that that isn't a huge ritual chair, right? But you yeah. know, it is like myself. I don't know if I would have been ready to jump right there because, you know, I've said before, just my anxieties and speaking right. in front of people that might've really slowed down my progression. Do you think you were ready to rock and roll or was it because you were already a teacher that you kind of had that vibe already? Well, I mean, part of it, I think was just the people in the lodge when I went in was just knowing everybody because like I said, you know, Don Stivers, who at the time was the secretary, I knew him from community band and, and, you know, in earlier times in my life, he grew up, well, he was already an adult, but when I was growing up, my parents were involved with the local EMS and, and so was he and, yeah. and Don and my grandfather were both very instrumental in, in, in founding the EMS and along with Bob Beyer, he was the first EMS director. And my grandfather was the first president of the board of trustees for that. So, I mean, okay. there was a, a big history there. And Guy Bing, who was the first worshipful master, he's now right worshipful brother Guy Bing. Yeah. He lived right up the street from me as a kid. Um, between turning in my petition and, the and getting my initiation, I went in to pay my car insurance. And Jeff Warner says, hey congratulations on being a mason i said how did you know about that he says because i'm the treasurer of that lodge and you know yeah. I, i'm going to be there for all of this and then of course gary i got to know from the historical society and, and yeah. you know sharing an interest in history sure. so i mean it's not really like it was a, a strange thing being around these people it's like i knew them all from different right. perspectives but bringing it all together really made me feel comfortable in, in that I love that. You know, we're going to talk a little bit about prospects and prospect management, but I actually, I was meeting with a prospect tonight, which is why I kind of had to be a little later. And that's almost verbatim what I told him of how it'll change your life. And you won't even realize, you won't realize right. the guys that are Masons until you're in there. And you right. know, not everyone is like you and I who have the hat and the ring and the you know, a lot of guys just do it and they do it quietly. So when yeah. you see that, I know our treasurer, I knew for 20 years, never, never had a clue. And if I didn't know he was a Mason now, I wouldn't know now yeah. because he never wears it. So obviously a strong connection with people already in there is something that kind of got you involved right in the seat, kept you around. Right. You know? And, and that's, everybody's why they stay is different, whether, you know, they got out of the military, they moved to a new place and they needed something. What, 
what along the way, what did you pick up through that master's line? Because obviously your and I's story is a little different in I didn't want to be up in front of people. I actually, this is this is a, a gym story that I haven't let out, but I'm going to. And and it's only a teaching thing. This is why my yes. wife, my wife is a special education teacher. So she knows and she rips on me pretty good about this. So at one point, I said I wanted to be a history teacher. I love history, right? It's the sort of thing that I'm sure you're the same as I didn't even crack a book to study. It just it just filtered right in. So I had I had talked to my school and I was doing a few things and they said, okay, go ahead out and you'll you'll go into a couple classes and just feel it out. And I went to St. Nicholas Catholic Church or Catholic school, seventh grade, I think I was in. And I was just given a spelling test. That's it. Teacher was out, you know, busy work at a spelling test. And this is going to make me sound really stupid, but it's a it's a funny story. So the word facsimile <laughs> came up. And to that point in my life, I don't know if I'd ever saw that word, ever used that word. And I'm going through it. I'm nervous because I'm not a, you know, a people person that way yet. And I read it as fact smile. <laughs> and and I knew immediately that it was wrong because there was, you know, there's all the students out there. And one student just puts his head up and looks at me. And I'm like, I don't have any clue. what. <laughs> and I was so nervous at that point. There was no saving it. Like I wasn't going to figure it out. And so we got through it and I'm like, okay, I'm embarrassed, but whatever. And then a kid showed up 15 minutes late and he needed to take the test. So I had to make everybody be quiet and I got them. I'm sweating this word. It's like the 12th word down and I say it and he looks at me and like three other people look at me and they chuckle. And it was that point where I, I went back to my counselor and I said, I can't be a teacher. <laughs> I can't do this. I shut it down, went a different direction. So all from one word. That fact smile, facsimile. And fact you know, smile. I heard it, I heard it like 12 times the next four days. Like, oh. And anytime I'm in an argument that I'm winning with my wife, she'll drop a Brings fact smile yeah. in there and then it's over. So <clears throat> had to bring it up you know it's always good when you make yourself look <laughs> <laughs> but but you obviously what i was getting at going into the line is the line gave me the confidence to be in front of somebody and speak which obviously you kind of had the seeds of that already what do you think the officer line gave to you or changed about your rough ashler along the way I felt like it gave me more responsibility. Like it's not just attending a meeting and going home and yeah. then you know, a month later coming back. I I mean, when you, you become a line officer, you then, you know, the, the ideal goal is to make it to the worshipful master's chair. Sure. So, you know, you, you can start out as junior deacon and maybe not know that much about masonry. And I mean, because you're, you're just there to, to keep, you know, somebody from busting in the door, so to speak. 
Right. But um, as you you sit in the chair and you learn more, it just it just comes naturally. I mean, sure. The the motto that that some of the older brethren at our lodge always said was see one do one teach one okay so so if you see somebody doing it then you do it you you learn by doing it as you go so i mean you know the first december january when you're installed and then and then you're going it might feel uncomfortable but the more you do it and the more you're involved with it, the the more natural it comes. Okay, I like the quote. I had, I wrote that one down. I'm gonna keep that one in the bank. So, you were past master back to back in two, yes. two different lodges here. So, tell me a little bit about each lodge and your experience as master in each lodge, because I'm guessing from what we talked about earlier, it's going to be vastly different. It was. Um, I, I joined, like I said, at Middleport, which is a small village. It, it's actually the largest village in Meigs County, but but population wise, I think there's there's maybe we're hovering right around a hundred members now. Um, but then you have Harrisonville, which is you know six miles the other way from my house, whereas Middleport six miles the first way. Um, it's a, a lot of older brethren. Sure. And it's a very rural lodge. It's in a community that was a stagecoach stop in, you know, this the Civil War. And the, right. the the main claim to fame for that place is when Morgan's raid came through in 1863, some guy got shot in the hind end, and the local doctor who was Salim Day, you know took care of him who just happened to be also the master of Harrisonville Lodge for the first 11 years and then his son and he took over and alternated as the master for the next 20 or something wow okay yeah. talk about staying in the east that was a permanent appointment <laughs> like right for those two but um you know not to speak bad but I mean a lot of younger people who I'm sure listen to the podcast can know the frustration of trying to change something when everybody says, well, this isn't working. We need to change this. So yeah. then when you say, okay, well, let's try this. No, that won't work. Yes. And you know, you get very frustrated when there is a problem with every solution. <laughs> yes. It gets tiresome. Yeah. So they said, you know, what can we do to attract more membership? And to get our own members out, I said, well, let's try changing our meeting nights because their meeting, the, the first stated, the, the regular stated meeting was the first Saturday of every month. Oh, my God. Now, that would have worked when that lodge's original purpose was a rural lodge for mostly farmers. Yes. Because that, you know, you don't have to get up and, and do as much work on the weekend sure. or, or whatever the case is. But times have changed. And that was just something that not everybody wanted to do. Sure. And, you know, I, it, it was very frustrating. Yeah. I but bet. Uh, I bet. it was, it was like a complete, like almost a Jacqueline Hyde difference 
between the two and each lodge, you know, has, has different chemistry and, and, sure. and, you know, you set in lodges and you can, you can feel that where you feel comfortable. That's, you know, where you stay. But um, so after my time as master out there, I was serving as worshipful master there and senior warden at Middleport. But even the year prior, I was serving as senior deacon, or excuse me, senior warden at Harrisonville and junior warden is Middleport. I was in the East more at Harrisonville than I was in the West, just because the master couldn't make the meetings. Okay. That's stressful. Yeah. It's your job, but still stressful, right? Right. Yeah. Um, So it was almost like a baptism by fire. Okay. But it, it, you know, falls back to that see one, do one, teach one. It let me get my feet wet in knowing how to preside and how to handle difficult situations that might arise or conflicting opinions of how your lodge direction might be, you know, because that's something that every master I think sets out to do is to do something during their time to make the lodge benefit from it as the years come on. Yes, absolutely. And, um, like I said, though, after my time in the East, I out there, I, I just, I demitted. I, I felt like that I had created a rift or was part of a rift or there was a rift there that I tried to fix. Okay. And it just didn't jive. Sure. Uh, you know, I think that not, not that anybody wants to see anybody demit or leave. Right. But I feel like it's more of a stand up thing to say, listen, I need to take myself out of the equation instead of continually trying to push the issue. Right. And, you know, sometimes you got to just let it go. Yeah. It's a hard thing to do, you know? And, you know, it's, it's a a humorous, but sad story uh, as part of it, you know, during my time as the actual master out there, uh, a relative of mine petitioned the lodge. Yeah. And I knew that he would not get in because I could not vote for him knowing his background and his character. I couldn't do it. Okay. And so, you know, he asked and I signed the petition and somebody else signed it and, you know, went through the, the, the motions and we petitioned him and everybody in the lodge blackballed him. Whoa. Everybody. Oh there, my we had to have eight. And there was eight black cubes. I was like, do we vote again? Or, and, and they thought that was the reason that I had demitted. And I said, no, because I voted. I put a black cube in too. Yeah, <laughs> yeah right. That wasn't the reason. But wow. uh, Okay, that's, didn't make it. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, it, and it, I, I can't say that it's everybody. It's just, you know, how one or two people and you know each lodge might have this one or two people that would sit far away from from any of the officer stations and hold conversations during the meeting or, oh, yeah. or things like that it's those kind of people that i had the problem with sure and i i mean I, there's still brothers that that come around and and come to visit we travel together and Matter of fact, one of them just passed away and his uh, his viewing and Masonic services tomorrow. And, you know, that brings this idea. Do I do I go or do I not? 
because you know he was chaplain for me for for two years yeah. out there and gave me a lot of counsel and advice and and but it's do i want to go and open up old wounds with these people right and, and you know it, it's this back and forth but ultimately it's like you know what i'm not going for them i'm going Go for, for him for him yeah. what he gave you you know yeah. the the thing i think you really brought up and keyed on was we we talk about you know harmony and who can best work and best agree right. and at the end of the day we're still human <laughs> you know what yeah. i mean and i think luckily i i've had a pretty good run at my lodge and the lodges i've been in but you know i've seen the same sort of you know you look at them and you're like what what are you doing man like yeah. like this is the the meeting like we had the fellowship before and after we can hold this or or whatever might have been going on and yeah you know we we still have to remember that we're all imperfect and are trying to work towards that perfect exactly so, but it, but it's easy to forget it's easy to think well yeah. we're masons we're all we're all on the up and up, but you know, all of us trip and fall sometimes. So. Exactly. Yep. So let let's let's go to your next year as master because that right. was a real flip over. So go for <laughs> yeah. it, Middleport. So Middleport, you know, I I was uh, fortunate enough to sit in every chair at Middleport and okay. followed Gary Coleman, who was my mentor through all of of masonry you know it seems like i was always a step behind him um he he was master at middleport and laid out his his plan and i just kind of kept going from yeah. what he he started sure and there was a time i think it was either during his tenure or the master before him where they read the bills and the treasurer stood up and says listen guys we have less than $200 in the general account. We can't pay these bills. Whoa. So the idea came up, well, we've got to start fundraising. What can we do? Sure. So, you know, we started gun raffles and well, the lodge didn't start gun raffles, but you know, gun raffles were started where the proceeds would benefit the lodge. Yeah. yeah. And one of the things that started when I was master was I wanted to do a golf scramble. Sure. And that we found was a, a really easy and really profitable way to help your lodge. Absolutely. But, um, you know, it's like you finally find your stride and, and, you know, you're off to a great start. Just got through inspection, master Mason at the yeah. end of February. And I'm like, all right, let's have some fun now. It's the first part of March, 2020. It's yeah. nothing but fun for the rest of the Friday the 13th. <laughs> everything shut down. Yeah. Unbelievable. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and then March or, you know, April, we were shut down. May, we were shut down. I think June, we were still shut down. And I started really missing my brethren from lodge. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so I sent out a, a, a group text and, say you know let's let's just have a get together at my house um something where we can all be together apart but together 
Yeah. And, you know, have fellowship and break bread. And this older guy in our lodge named Worshipful Brother Ed Knightsling, one of my best friends, back, yeah. you know, pre-COVID, he and I would travel all over our district, all over Ohio to just go to inspections. Right. Um, and <laughs> I think we had it set up to, to eat at five o'clock, show up at five and eat. He was here at 2.30. He was ready to go. <laughs> yeah, I love it. <laughs> and it was June, you know, hot summertime. I'm thinking something cool, you know, like sandwiches or something. He made beef stew. Oh, my <laughs> <For> God. <laughs> so, I mean, it, it was great just, just being together. Yeah. Um, I, don't, I don't know if I want to say lucky enough. I was, my job did get shut down. Yeah. And, you know, my wife's my wife as well. And we did. I learned how to try to be half of a teacher, which was a struggle in itself doing <laughs> those day to day things. And <laughs> that was a whole nother mess. But we got through it. But, you know, the thing is, it was in my own sense, you know, it's kind of like a weird blessing in the sense, you know, luckily nobody around me got sick. Thank God. You know, yeah. no, I can I can say that, and we kind of got through unscathed, but we did have all this time where it was just it was weird. It was like a Saturday every day for six weeks. You know, no worry yeah. about bedtimes. You know, we get up, we do a family movie every night or whatever. But the the fellowship that I was missing was just there was such a hole in my heart that you know. We did the zooms, and I know Jess Rains did the the big zooms Tuesday yeah. and Thursday, and like that was my thing at at eight fifty. I think nine we were jumping on. Um, eight fifty, I was corralling the family upstairs. It's like, all right, guys, this yeah. is something I got to do because, uh, you know, you really you don't realize how much that affects you until yeah. you don't get it, or you know, even now I know. I travel enough that I'm in lodges, but if I if I miss my home lodge stated meeting, it's kind of like a little bit of yearning. Like you know, I kind of yeah. want to go back home and see the guys. And yeah, yeah, it was it was rough, and I can't even imagine. You know, for you know John McElroy here, yourself there, you get to that point, and like you said, the gloves came off, inspection's over. Now we're just going to roll and yeah. it, and then this roadblock comes up. I can't even imagine it. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I, West Virginia, of course, because, you know, I it's right across the river from me. Yeah. And of course, it's a different jurisdiction. They didn't shut down immediately. So okay. I, I was talking to one of my buddies named Brian Patterson, who is a senior warden at Mentorn Lodge in Point Pleasant, home of the Mothman, by the way. Got to get that in there. Got it. Uh, yes. <laughs> um, he called and says, you know, hey, the Grand Master of West Virginia is going to be at our, our next meeting and we're going to raise a candidate. I'll be there. Yeah, you know, yeah. I don't care. But... <laughs> so uh, so I went over and got to meet him. And then the very next day, West Virginia shut down. Shut it down. Too, so. uh, yeah. The hardest part is even now, and I've said this multiple times, there are guys that never came back. Yeah. They just... Yeah you know, fearful of what may happen or, exactly. you know, I can understand that, but that's the kind of thing. And I bring up uh, Mike Mayer at our lodge. He was just never an officer, but I, I think 
not that I don't want to put a lot of weight on going through the officer line is very important, but sometimes we forget that we have a lot of integral parts of the lodge that aren't officers. Exactly. Yes. And, and Mike was one of those guys. He was always one to in the middle of a discussion where maybe I was pushing for something that we need to be out in the public. And he would just give us a little bit of a, you know, Hey, maybe we should step back and look at how this looks and, the lodge misses that. Like we miss him, and I'm sure the lodges all across the state that do that. Yeah, and you know, you mentioned that this is this Masonic year is the first that our district has had open inspections that you know visitors can attend, and we would have you know pre-COVID twenty or thirty different Masons get a perfect attendance award, and we're wrapping up now. We have an inspection Saturday. And one the following Saturday, and I think there's two Masons. We finished that, with we finished with one. And that yeah. was you know, it's the attendance overall is just, you know, we would uh we would be around I would say sixty to ninety, depending on the lodge. Some of them are rural, some of them are more populated. But you know, those ones that had sixty were at thirty. And the ones that had 90 were at 55. Yeah. And it just, it's tough to see the before and after. And, you know, I think that that's one of those time heals all things. Eventually, I think each year, you know, we'll pull out of that a little more, but it's tough to see that. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> one of the things, though, that I guess you could say is an after effect is that a lot of the younger people in lodge the younger men in lodge have found more of a voice in lodge yeah. because of, i mean a lot of uh, unfortunately you know not to to talk down upon my brethren but it has kept a lot of the naysayers sure absolutely from, from, you know bringing down the meetings so to speak yeah yeah you know what it's uh I think it's one of those things that don't knock it unless you tried it. Type exactly. Thing. Exactly. But do you want long... to... Yeah, you're right. And that that's the, it's tough how things like this have to happen, but yeah. it has. And, and, you know, I think we're the same way. And well, granted, we've, we've had a great past master line that has been relatively open with everything we want to do, but there is, there's definitely still been some pushback yeah. and we're I'm lucky enough that we had enough of us on board that we were able to get past that. And once you kind of get past that, I think, and you prove it a little bit, then some of those old heads kind of buy yeah. in, yeah. but you got to prove it. Like they're not just, they're not super trusting. They got to see it to believe it. So, right. <clears throat> but that's great that those guys, that's how you get some of those new innovative ideas or exactly. I don't, I don't want to say a gun raffle was innovative, but if you never done it in your lodge, that's a big deal. That's a new thing. So yeah, absolutely. Right. And you know, new things that that's something that we started, you know, Gary Coleman and I, and, and a lot of the older people that was like, well, we want to do this, but we don't have a location. Sure. They talked about doing an outdoor degree. It's like, well, heck, I've got three acres here in the middle of nowhere. Let's do it at my house. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I mean, the first time we did it, we had, you know, maybe 20, 25 people. And then 
the next year we had more and, and I, and you know, it, it keeps growing. And now we have three guys who come up from Tennessee every year. Uh, Art channel, who is also a plural member at, at black diamond lodge in Wellston. Yeah. And um, Ken Albritton and the guy he brings up, his name escapes me, but Ken is a character. He, uh, he tells me that he's the grandmaster of Tennessee of the knife and fork degree. Okay. But he said he hasn't had a meal at home since like 1996. <laughs> so um, he says he is married. He just don't remember what she looks like. You know, <laughs> but, sure. I love it. But uh, he five hours to be here. Wow. And we did our, our officer installation when I was, the, when I went in as master and he was there, he came up to our inspection this year. Yeah. Uh, you got to think, man, you really must love masonry to drive over five hours going from Tennessee into Kentucky into West Virginia and then into Ohio just to be among your brethren. Yeah. And I mean, the first time you're coming, you don't even know anybody, but you meet these guys on Facebook and sure, you want to see what that's about. And Jay Clark is another one. You know, oh, yeah. Jay is a big traveler and he came all the way over from around Cincinnati Sure. And he and I have kept, you know, in pretty good contact over, you know, the, the past few years. Yeah. You know, the uh, the thing that I I find amazing about that, and I guess I never realized until I started traveling. Once you start and not just in your district, your district, obviously, right. but then you want to do that stuff like there are I'm, I'm scheduled to go to the to Cleveland to forest cities inspection tomorrow night yeah and my wife i love her to death because she lets me do all this stuff god bless her but she'll say like why are you going there it's not your lodge you know you have your right. own deo lodges in your lodge and i'm like you can't it's hard to explain the why but it it's the same thing they had a few guys make it down for our inspection and the same with every lodge once you go and you shake that hand and you form that connection then there's a genuine want to come back together exactly so, and you know that's another thing that i think a lot of younger masons can benefit from is social media yeah. i mean that's how that's how you and i got connected absolutely was i think through ohio masons and then when i think when jess rains was grandmaster we finally got to meet yeah. In Marietta. And then, you know, as, as the years go on, we see each other again at Grand Lodge. Sure. But um, it, it's just that connection that we share something, we share a, an obligation, and we're hours away from each other. You know, we share that. And I, I love, I guess this is actually really exciting because I've never done a podcast directly after talking to a potential prospect about this. And how I was trying to sum this up is that, you know, if you walk down the road and you see a guy with a ring on and then you're a Mason, you already know you've been through the same thing and you have a level of connection that would take months otherwise. And, and you know, like you said, we have this obligation. And then I think in the case of the traveling with, you know, yourself or Jake, <clears throat> oh my god i'm sorry <laughs> you're good uh, you know with jay clark or tim klein or i i can't remember the gentleman that came up from the south five hours 
you know, we have that connection. And then with social media, you see guys that are just absolutely seething Freemasonry. They're just doing it and loving it. And I know myself, it makes me want to do it more, gets right. me excited about it. And I, those are the kind of movers and shakers that I want to be around. What is Jordan Pickens doing down there that I can take a piece and make that into something that Palestine can do or vice versa? And that's that's why it gets so exciting. And that excitement grows every time you see each other. You know, I can't remember which grandmaster it was, but they said something about living your charter. And that really struck a chord with me. That was Keith Newton. Yeah. Who who was, yeah, he was grandmaster when I was master at Middleport. Yes. And that just, that really opened my eyes up to what, you know, I can be a Mason when we're open and the Bible's open. Sure. But live your charter. Do more than just open your lot. Give back to your community. Yes. So, I mean, we st- I think that year we gave money to the Meigs County Cancer Initiative. We um, just started being more involved in our community. And then next thing you know, you know, we're chairing the Christmas parade or yeah. we're helping with 4th of July. Um, last year, we, you know, the, the Meg's band, which is the school district that, that uh, our lodge is in is the most awarded group in Meg's County history. They've went to like the state finals wow. every year, but two since 1993. Holy cow. Okay. Yeah. And, and their band director is a Mason. Awesome. And, uh, you know, we've done feed the teams for the football teams where, you know, we get a chance to talk masonry with them. Uh, We've done that for all three of the school districts in our county. And we've partnered with other lodges to that. Um, But it probably the, the, the biggest thing or the most meaningful thing was when we, we did, the feed the band for band camp that night. We got to talk to them, not just about mace Freemasonry, but, you know, we also had like my wife, who's one of the assistant directors for the band. She is also an Eastern star with me. Yeah. Got to talk about that. Uh, we got to talk about Job's daughters and Demo Lay and rainbow and Logan. And sure. But, but then we gave them a banner with a check rolled up into it, but we gave them a banner that talked about music being one of the seven liberal arts and sciences. Oh, I love and I it. ran that by Tim Wheeland when we did it. I was like, most worshipful. I really want to do this. I know it's, you know, secret work, but it's written out in the code book. So, I mean, it's not really a secret. Right. Exactly. Said, Go ahead. I like it. Awesome. So uh, we had that made up. And of course, you know, we borrowed that from, uh, Oh shoot. Merkel, David Merkel. Oh, yes. Fry Valley. Sure. They did that for the Scotties. They're like, we got to do that down here, too. Yeah, th- there you go. Perfect example yeah. of what you can take. And, and the thing I love about that is, you know, we we have not done something exactly like that. But bringing something like that up in Lodge, and I know somebody in every Lodge does it, how much money are we spending to do this? You know, how exactly. much does it cost to feed this team or whatever? Yep. 
and the beauty of that is with talking about Job's and rainbow and um, Eastern star and masonry, whatever you spent that night, and I don't know what it is. I don't need to know if you inspired one person. Exactly. Then you did your job. It was all work. And, and, you know, it's kind of a, a strange thing that, you know, the, the conversations going in that direction, you know, my lodge at Middleport, um, a guy contacted me from out the road and says, I have this Masonic stained glass that I don't know where it's from, but I don't want it anymore. Yeah. What do you want? So I went out and looked and it was uh, a beauty. And I'll send you the pictures or you might've seen them on Instagram, but, uh, or Facebook, but it's beautiful stained glass. And I go back and look and it's from our original lodge building. Whoa. It's the, the transoms that went over the doors and they were in bad shape. Okay. And, you know, my plan was that, that our Masonic club would pay for it. And, uh, you know, we gave the donation, the Masonic club gave the donation to the band. So that, you know, took some of our funding. Sure. But there was also three times more originally the price was than what we were told it would be. So the lodge footed the bill, but you know, a few people got mad that it cost so much and they felt like I sprung it on them, which the day that it, you know, our meeting was, was the day I found out and I was upset about it. Sure. But then somebody stood up and says, you know, the golf scrambles and, and that stuff is what brings the money into the lodge. Right. And we're going to keep doing that. Sure. You know, we can't just get this money and suddenly say, well, we don't have to live our charter anymore. We don't have to hold golf scrambles. We don't have to to do this anymore because we're we're good now. Exactly. We have to, you know, we have to keep getting out there and and fundraising and and this and that and i think we've gotten two or three petitions from the golf scrambles that we've done yeah so i mean that's a win-win that's it exactly. but not only that but we were preserving our lodge's history because they they came from our lodge originally yeah that that is the biggest thing you know you can't you can't buy history and in this situation no. You have to, you're able to take a piece of that and reintegrate it into your lodge. Exactly. Like we, we have pictures. It's crazy in Palestine. We've moved around a bunch of different times and nobody can tell the exact, nobody's alive that remembers the exact where we started. And I've looked and looked for di different pictures in downtown area and you know, there's a spot over the where the physical therapist place is now is the farthest back. That was where we were before 52, 1952. But nobody knows other than that. So to get a piece of that history right? That you thought was gone, nobody even knew was around. And then, boop, there it is. Yeah. Take I mean, that. you know, lodges all over the state are rich in history and some might realize it and, and preserve it. And some might not even know what they have. Yeah. But then when you have cases like, you know, Lodge of Amity, who loses so much oh of their God. history. Oh, breaks my heart. It does. They, I mean, a sword that was Rufus Putnam's and the jewels that they had. And, you know, I went up shortly thereafter uh, to a, a Cyrene Commandery. Yeah. In 
inspection and just drove through there and it was heartbreaking. Absolutely. And then, you know, they were told that they weren't allowed to go through the rubble. And and I was talking to Don Stivers and he says, they didn't have to arrest me because I'd have went through that rubble and we'd have found that. Yeah, Yeah, that's it. Oh, I, I know. I just, and the only way I know of that lodge whatsoever is from, you know, David Merkel and those guys posting. That's it. I, I've met Dave a couple times, but, you know, I was sitting there and my wife, I might have been in bed. I think it was, I already was laying in bed and we were just going through our phones and I just started welling up. Yeah. She's like, what, what is going on? And, you know, that, that was really, I think everybody that saw that took a step back and looked at their own lodge. Right. Said, oh my God. What, what would I do tomorrow? If Palestine burned down the night, my heart would just be shattered, yeah. you know? And and the beauty of it still is masonry continues on. It does. It's yeah. not the building, but exactly the building helps. <laughs> the, yeah. You know, a, a history thing like that. Since we're on there, and I love it, I had a um, a friend of my mother in law. She she got a hold of my mother in law and said, "Hey, you know what? My father was in masonry. I don't know if he was high up or not, but he passed." And I have his apron and a few things with Jim wanted. And I said, yeah, you know, absolutely. We see, I don't know what it is. It may just be his funeral apron that they didn't put in or whatever. So this past week I got, there's a whole box full of stuff. And there's a little black leather, I don't know, four by three inch thing. And I popped it open and there's a past deputy jewel. And I'm like, whoa, this dude was a past deputy. And I looked and it was, I think it was 71, 72, 73, or no, it was 72, 73, 74, because he was a deputy during Schofield's Grand Master yeah. year. And I started looking through, and I he had his apron, and he had his DEO apron. And I finally got the name of it. And Palestine has only had three district deputies in 154 years, I think something like that, or 55, wherever we're at. Two of them, John Martin and Gary Snedden, are still living. And the other one, uh, Robert Smith, has passed. And would you believe that that was Robert Smith's apron and Joel? You know, I had only known him from seeing his picture in our lodge. Didn't realize that this was Nancy's dad, you know, and... So I took that and I put those two aprons and that jewel in a shadow box. And now we have it hanging in our lodge. Right, so, that is amazing. And and that's the same thing. Like I had no clue. It could have been, you know, half chewed up rat, you know, garbage. Right. And here was this beautiful specimen just sitting there. Nobody even knew. Yeah. So <clears throat> the transition just a little bit, because this is always a, a step so you went from you were master and now you're secretary yes so i i don't know if that's good or bad <laughs> i feel like the work intensified well this so 20 was my last year as master so for 21 and <clears throat> most of 22 i was what you know one would consider a has-been 
Yes. I did my time in the East, and now I'm just one of those crotchety old guys that sit on the sidelines and say, that's not how we did it when I was master. <laughs> right. But um, I just, you know, kind of felt like I didn't have a purpose in my lodge anymore. Sure. And our secretary at the time was right worshipful brother Guy Bing, and he told me, you know, I'm, I, I don't want to do this anymore. Sure. He said, you know, I've got my last year as a district deputy, and... I, I don't want to ride off into the sunset, but I, I just want to be more on the sideline and yeah. help what I can. Would you take secretary? And I, you know, I of course said, well, I'd think about it. And I talked it over with my wife sure. and, you know, let me, I'll continue that story in a second. Anybody listening, you would be surprised what our wives know when it comes to ritual work and Freemasonry. <laughs> and, and yeah, I can't tell you how many, I, you know, if you want to suspend me or, or anything, I can't tell you how many times I've done ritual work, like while I'm shaving or, or anything. And my wife says, are you sure that's right? Because I didn't hear you say it that way. <laughs> right. So They're always listening. I they know. Are. They are. Breeze got me too. <laughs> um, but I talked it over with her because I didn't want to commit to something that would take up time away from our kids. Cause like oh. I said, I have a six year old and a four year old and, and she keeps telling me, you know, they're only this little ones. Exactly. So I him hauled and I finally agreed to it. Um, and, and it's just been a, a pretty easy transition. Okay. Um, it's been challenging at some points. Uh, or well, I wouldn't say that it hasn't came without its challenges because it has, but I've taken it and made it my own, just like, you know, any other station. Sure. When you take that, you have to make the role what you want it to be. Yeah. Or, or give it the attention that it deserves. So, I mean, sometimes, you know, when it's April, like it is now, and you have three people who still haven't paid their dues. Sure you've got to crack the whip a little bit and yeah you know i i give so much credit i'm I'm not a secretary um he's palestine i don't want to be one please don't <laughs> no we we have a couple guys that we think will be into that slot hopefully very long uh worst brother steve hill does an awesome job at that but so many kudos to you guys because in a situation where the president of your comp company changes every year, the two right. things that stay the same are the secretary and treasurer. And they're right. really a lot of times are the glue that keeps that ship in, I'll say the transitional phase, you know, those first December, January months where it's like, no master, this is when you wrap the gavel. This is how <laughs> you pay the bills. <laughs> you know how everyone's yeah. still learning, even though we're in the seat. Um, so kudos to you guys and kudos to doing the job in the world we live in right now. You know, that's the challenges that you have to go through dealing with a technical world and with a brethren that are moving towards that, but definitely not there yet in certain cases. That is just a whole right. fighting two wars almost. 
Yeah. And you know what, again, it falls back to that see one, do one, teach one sure. mentality. You know, Don Stivers, who right worshipful brother Stivers, who was my chaplain and, and, you know, my first line signer was secretary before right worshipful brother Guy Bing. And they've both been a tremendous help. Yeah. But Grandview is just like, you know, when you first start on social media, you just take it and play with it and see what you can do with it and what you can't do with it. Yeah. So, I mean, I figured out with Grandview, I can type up, hey, we're going to have a meeting this coming Tuesday. Send it out to everybody. Sure. Um, I'm working on, you know, a text message thing or an all call, hopefully in the works. One of the things that I started doing, but, you know, obligations got ahead of me is calling brethren on their birthday. Because, you know, you can go to Grandview and type in when their birthday is. And that's just something that it's a way to let your brethren who might not regularly attend lodge know that they're still part of the family. Yes. I love, Hey, we haven't seen you in a while in lodge, but your birthday's coming up and we wanted to let you know, we're thinking about you. If there's anything the lodge can do for you, give us a call. Exactly. I love that. And you know, that has opened doors up to bringing people back to lodge. Sure. You know, I, I talked to a uh, worship or not worshipful brother, just brother Allen, Roger Allen from Syracuse. And I said, you know, I'm new in this secretary position and I see you've been a Mason here for X number of years. And I've been in lodge for about nine years and I don't think I've ever seen you at a meeting. You know yeah. what? You know, is there something that we can do? Sure. Basically, why did you stop coming and what can we do to have you come back? Right. And he says, well, you know, when I went into Lodge, all these people were there and then life happens and you stop coming and then you come back to Lodge and it's a whole new cast of characters almost. Sure. He said that was just a really big adjustment. And he said one time he came and just didn't feel like he was a part of it anymore. Yeah. So, you know, it made I talked that over with some of the line officers and I said, we've got to change that. Yeah. You know, we have to make everybody feel welcome because this is their lodge, too. Yes, absolutely. You hit it right on the head. And I think I was talking with a gentleman last week about actually a guy from um, Minnesota. We were talking and he sort of has the same position I do with their Grand Lodge. And he was talking about paper masons. And obviously this gentleman had been a Mason for a while, but he was talking about Masons that become Masons and then end up on the NPD. You know, they end up not paying. And in this situation, if that gentleman has had a couple experiences like that and then gets to the point where it's like, you know what, why am I even still paying this, these dues? I I never go. He ends up on, on that non-paid, you know, that call changes that, that keeps that member once, like you said, brings that member back or gets everybody acclimatized as saying, Hey, there's a little problem here that we didn't even realize we had. Right. And, you know, again, with Grandview, you can go and see who are suspended and you can see, you know, how long they've been suspended, and then just print out a little Excel sheet that, Hey, you know, pass this off to somebody who 
you know, might be a retired member of your lodge. Why don't you call these people and say, you know, we saw that you were on our, our non-paid dues. Let's talk for a minute about that. You know, what stopped you from coming to lodge and then made you decide you didn't want to pay your dues anymore? Yeah, absolutely. I love that. Love I mean, you, you know, one of the things that I talk about with my class is how history repeats itself. And you can see patterns uh, of different things. And I'm not getting political, but sure, you can absolutely. see a lot of correlation with what Russia is doing right now with Ukraine. Like, well, maybe I'll just take this little bit of the Crimea and then maybe, you know, a little bit of this. Yeah. You know, this the same thing happened in the 1940s. Well, maybe I'll just take a little bit of Czechoslovakia. Then maybe I'll yeah. just take a little bit of sure. Um, And drawing those connections, you can you can do the same thing in masonry because some of the things that are keeping young people out today are some of the things that the older generation was getting feathers ruffled from the World War II generation. Absolutely. Sure. And I mean, you know, I think back and and looking in, in Middleport's Lodge during the 70s, they did a big transition of the lodge. Like, you know, everything in the 70s, let's put carpet over hardwood flooring and, and paneling up over a marble wall or you yeah, know, sure. like plaster walls and put a drop ceiling in over that beautiful crown <laughs> molding. Yeah, right. <laughs> and And I just, I sit there and I wonder the gumption that it took the Masons to get that passed. Sure. Oh. And then you think of, you know, some of the things that you want to accomplish today and you draw those connections. Yeah. And that's, you know, Masonry has been on the decline. I think, you know, looking, we all get the, the thing from Grand Lodge after every communication communication. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. That talks about how many members we lost during that Masonic year. Sure. And we always are at a loss. Sure. And first of all, it makes me want to know, you know, numbers wise, it says how many Masons we have. But does it take into account like Jordan's a member at Middleport, but he's also a member here? Sure. Does, does my right. membership count twice? Or, right. Absolutely. You know, but that's a different my point was that masonry has been on the decline since 1968. That was the last time in Ohio. I'm pretty sure that we had a net gain in membership. And I think back, you know, what happened in 68 that stopped that. And then, you know, I got to think it's the winding down of the Vietnam war. Right. And you have people coming home from that war looking for a connection and they find that in their lodge or in a VFW or sure or anything like that uh, and you just you wonder what can be done to help bring membership up you're right and like like Meigs County has is a population of about 12,000 people okay so if we divide that in half, that's 6,000 men. Right. So that's not even counting how many are within the age range of 19 and older. Sure. But you have four lodges in Meigs County. You have Shade River, 
Middleport, Pomeroy Racing, and Harrisonville. And then just across the county line in Gallia County, you have Salome Lodge. Yeah. In Vinton County, you have Orphan's Friend. And then on the Athens County line, you have Coolville, you have um, Albany, you have Athens, all within, you know, quote unquote, spitting distance. Right. And you have all these fishing poles in this one barrel. Sure. And are we really benefiting by keeping basically five small fires going, trying to attract people to yeah. your fire? I know. In East Palestine. And, and a few things have changed since this conversation has happened. But, you know, in East, in East Palestine, Negley Lodge is three miles south. And then 12 minutes west is Columbiana or Allen. It's in Columbiana. Allen Lodge and Leetonia Lodge. And actually, this had started as a school district discussion because we have within 20 minutes of each other, we have uh, four or five school districts. Right. And, and and then we we boiled it down to it, it ended up turning into lodge. But you, you're exactly right. Do we keep 220 people with East Palestine and 92? And I, these numbers are right. 92 at Negley and 400 and some because Columbiana gets a lot, uh, you know, a chunk. And then Leetonia has their 200 that they're in the same building, but they're bleeding a little bit. Like, do we keep all of us separate or... Do we right. come together and I think at some point where you find that, and this is just my own thoughts, not Grand Lodge. <laughs> um, you know, I think there will be that we have a loss, we have a loss, which is going to happen because of general age. Not, I don't think because interest isn't there. Right. Interest is there and we are stemming the tide and we're going to touch on that with the prospects in the next bullet point. But, you know, just general age, we are going to bleed a little bit where we're at. And we'll we'll find that comfortable area where maybe that turnaround starts or maybe we stay steady for a while and then really start to hit our stride exactly. coming, coming in. But um, you're right. You know, at, at what point do you say? Do we all keep trying to grab the same guys or do we all come together and say, instead of an East Palestine guy, you're a Columbiana County Mason. Yeah. I don't, I don't know what you exactly want County, you know? So this kind of leads directly into the next thing, which is prospect manager. And what I want to do before we get into that, because some districts don't have this, which, you know, when I was a young Mason, I thought all Masonry was the same. And now I realize that all Masonry is the same and it's all different. So through our Grandview, which is our membership system, on our website, we offer an opportunity. If you don't know somebody that you can ask to get that petition, there's a join section where you fill out your information. Does it change anything? No. You still have to go through all the same steps that I would if I asked Jordan for a petition, but you actually go through another step, which is you're telling us, hey, I want to join. 
I don't have information. And then we take that information and we give it to the district that you're in. And then that district assigns you to a lodge that is close to you. So you have the best opportunity to meet somebody and do a meet and greet. And maybe that's how you find your way in. And I've said, I've said in the podcast, I spent upwards of a decade thinking about masonry, wasn't actively pursuing it, but there was a genuine want there, but I didn't know how to go about it. Well, if I saw this, I would have easily put my information in and who knows where I might be right now. So that's the prospect manager. That's where we get the prospects from. The prospect manager is the guy that handles that. When they come into lodge, you're the point guy. You contact them. That's what I was doing earlier this evening. I had a gentleman from East Palestine that, and he basically said the same stories. Like it's been a few years. I've been interested and really not sure who to contact. I've read some stuff on the internet. Some was good. Some was crazy. And, you know, that's kind of what we did. And so what I wanted to start with is since you are the secretary and prospect manager of your lodge, and I don't know how many prospects you guys get rolling in there to your district. And I know they're, I know simply from my job, the 14th district gets a ton. 20, 24th gets way less than that because we're just not in a major, you know, right. metropolitan area, obviously. And same, I'm sure you guys are probably the same, get less for sure. We do. Um, down here in, in the 12th and, you know, some of the, the guys kind of say that we're the forgotten 12th or the misfit 12th. Okay. But, you know, we're, we're in that part of Ohio that the state, I'm not talking about Grand Lodge. I'm talking about sure. the state of Ohio overlooks a lot. Um, you know, you turn on the news and we get our news from Charleston, West Virginia. So, you know, when my son says, oh, we're going to the Capitol, he thinks we're going to Charleston, West Virginia is our capital, not Columbus. Sure. But um, which makes my my head itch really bad. <laughs> geography teacher and i feel like i failed as a teacher and as a parent <laughs> but uh you know we don't really see a lot of return sure on on um on our prospect i think since they've rolled this out we've had one apply and this was even before my time as secretary uh it was when i was master and you know i i reached reached out to this guy it was like, hey, I saw, you know, you were interested. Oh, I was just clicking on that just to see if anybody would actually talk about it. Are you guys really devil worshipers? Well, no, we're not really devil worshipers, you know. Um, yeah. <clears throat> oh, I was just checking and then hung up and that was the end of it. Oh, my God. But, you know, I'm <clears throat> sure in places, you know, in the bigger cities. Sure. I think it, it probably does benefit. You know, the thing that I've noticed a change in a little bit, because at the beginning, and I think 19 was when we rolled this out, when it was rolled out. I wasn't in this position then. And my chaplain at the time was our district advisor. He asked if I wanted to do our prospect manager. And I'm like, yeah, sure. I have no clue what it is, <laughs> you know. And there was a time 
And we don't get a lot of them, but it I felt like I was working back at the bank. I was just cold calling people. And it was the same thing. One guy called and he's like, I don't know what you're talking about and hung up. And a couple guys like they talked, but you could tell that I was wasting their time. Yeah. So it's I know it's definitely been a struggle. And I, I think that's a struggle of you're right, population. You know, how how much can you I don't know if this is the right analogy, but if you squeeze an orange, there's only so much juice you can get out of it. And when you take the population and then drop it down to where you're at a rural area, how, how many are looking in that area or how many are going to find it that way, you know? Right. And, and that's something that I, I actually, when we were writing this up, I did not think about the, the population aspect of it. You know, I, I've, I know just because I'm in my own district, the difference in if we get two prospects in a month, the 14th, and I'm just using the 14th because they're in Columbus. It's not, these aren't real numbers. The 14th would get a hundred, you know, it, it's crazy. And I, and I don't, I couldn't tell you off the top of my head what the 12th gets probably less than two. <laughs> I'll say, yeah. you know, but you know, when I know that we've, heat up the way the emails work to try to skift out some of that. Um, well, I was just having a drink at two in the morning and saw this, you know, kind of made it a little tougher to get in there. But I think that that, and I'm going to say in a general term, not just your Meigs or Columbiana as a whole, it's a way that guys can are able to find the door if they don't know they're the ones that are supposed to be knocking on the door. Right. Right. And and that's that's the thing where I, I like it. And it's such a transition. Such a from from the social media aspect, every single day, I probably delete 15 comments that are like, thought we weren't supposed to solicit. Yes. And it's like, technically, we didn't tell you to join. It right. said more information or would you like to start your journey? And you still have to go through all the steps. So it, it it's it's sort of like that, um, like the issue with the secretary. You're dealing with one population that is very, we don't want to be that open and out in the public. And then, you, you know, you go to our I'm going to lump me in with you because I'm still in my thirties getting closer, unfortunately way closer to 40 than I want, but you know, we still want to be moving forward and moving fast and getting out there and doing what's best and what are the best practices to grow and build and find a right area for Freemasonry in this right. new, you know, um, technology age. So to, you're playing both ends of it. And it's kind of, I think it'll take a little bit of time to get the sweet spot of it. You know? Right. Um, and you know, <clears throat> I've, I've had, I don't want to say great success, but we've had a few people join just because I've had them in class. I mean, I've talked, yes. you know, like the other day we were talking about societies in my sociology class and, 
you know, communities and, and the connections that we share in communities and, and similarities and differences. Yeah. And I kind of talked about Freemasonry because, you know, it takes people who are like insurance salesmen and and hospital flight nurses and teachers and farmers and all these different people that would probably never be in the same circle. Sure. And brings them together. Yeah. And <laughs> one of my things with my kids was, you know, Freemasonry is a, is a pretty cool thing. And I'm just wondering why you never thought that to join. He says, well, nobody ever asked me. I thought somebody had to ask you to be a Freemason. And I yeah. said, well, no, not really. Sure. I said, we're not supposed to ask anybody to be a Freemason. I can come up to somebody and say, hey, you'd make a good Freemason. And if you ever thought of joining, I have a petition with your name on it. And right. I would be glad to sign it for you. Absolutely. And I think, you know, if we look back somewhere in the late 60s, where this idea came from, that we can't talk about Freemasonry. Freemasonry is a secret society. Sure. Freemasonry is, is a religion. Freemasonry is a bunch of devil worshipers. <laughs> right. And, and I, I know that it's in... I think it's the entered apprentice lecture that we're not supposed to argue with people who ridicule it. Sure. I agree with that. We're not supposed to argue with them, but we can say, well, you're wrong. That's right. not arguing. That's okay. Well, you're wrong. Yeah. I'm making a point. Well, I know all about Freemasonry because I've read this online and I, and who's the great architect of the universe you're talking about. And it's like, you know, I can read everything to, there is to know about driving a car, but unless I'm behind the wheel, buckled in and feel the engine revving and my hands on the steering wheel is a completely different experience than saying I can drive a car because I've read all this stuff on the internet. Sure. Absolutely. You know, but sorry, go ahead. No, no. I, I love the fact that you bring that up with the kids in school and, and the fact that you have gotten petitions that way. And I have. Um, and you know, when I, when I, um, when I went in as master, I had a public installation and I told my kids, I said, you know, I talk about this all the time. Sure. If you want to see what this is, uh, this part of me, cause I'm always open and honest with my kids. You know, I tell them my life story and, yeah. and you know things that I went through. I think that gives you a connection with them but absolutely that's a different story for a different podcast uh i said come and see what, what this is about if this is what and i had two or three kids show up to my installation wow that's that's it <laughs> yeah and you know one says hey I, I will join i just i've got to get stuff in life figured out right now and and yeah that's how it is but um and i i Turn it all back to, you know, living our charter, telling what we're about. Yes. Freemasonry is not a secret society. You know, you drive down the street, you can see Masonic Temple on a building. You can <laughs> see the light that's not on, but one night a month or sure. two nights a month, you can look in the phone book and see Masonic Lodge. You know, here's their phone number. Yeah. You can go on Facebook and, and type in Masonic Lodge and all these different lodges pop up. It's not a secret society. We right. know we're out there. You know we're out there. 
Exactly. What we do isn't a secret. We're we're a charitable organization that has a little bit of allegory that's got beautiful degree work in it. Absolutely. That's symbolic. And and kids will ask me, well, well, what it's what is it about? And you know, I just I don't say, you know, what we do. I said, well, you know, it a lot of it evolves around an allegory in the Bible that talks about King Solomon's temple. And if you want to know more about that, just Google King Solomon's temple and the people that build it. Yeah. And, you know, go down that rabbit hole. And then if you have questions, I can say, well, yeah, you're in the right direction or, or no, that's not really what we're about. But Sure. I had the gentleman I was talking with today. He, he kind of asked a couple, couple questions along that line. And, and I gave him kind of the base thing. And I'm like, you know, the secret sauce to myself and everyone's different. Some's education, some's, you know, ritual, but I'm like the secret sauce is connections. Exactly. And, and the, the thing is, and I'm going to bring up a couple different people because, you know, like, obviously you're a, a very big into history education and some people, and I, I spoke to him this past weekend at the Grandmaster reception Right, worship brother Bill Carter is into esoteric Freemasonry and the deeper meaning. And I'm into the fellowship. And I love the other parts of it too, but because I'm fellowship and he's esoteric and you're, you know, his, historical, and that doesn't mean we don't like the other parts. Right, right. That doesn't mean that I'm on this side and you're on that side. We're exactly. still part of the same team. And the connections made. And while we're while we're in the middle of talking, I get a Facebook message from James Dalton, which is a past guest. He's um, he's on Craftcast. He's one of the hosts for the Grand Lodge of England's podcast. And uh, I looked at my watch and I'm like, you know what's cool? And I'm like, you and I are talking about connections right now. And I just got a message about um, a worshipable brother from England that's talking about podcasts and masonry right now. I'm like, that's what Freemasonry can do for you. I'm not saying in five, six, 10 years, you'll be talking to people from England, but right. the opportunity is there for so many different connections and thoughts and ideas in life to go different ways. It's just absolutely unbelievable. And it's like what, two o'clock there in the morning? Almost. Yeah. Something like that. <laughs> I, I know if I say the, I'll say the wrong number, but yeah, the, the time is, I actually, I shot, I took a screenshot because he was talking about listening to the last episode and I believe either tomorrow or the next day they're recording craft cast episodes. We're messaging back and forth and I shot a screenshot of us talking and said recording right now and I didn't get a response and I was thinking like, crap, he probably went to bed. I hope I didn't wake him up, <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. But so one thing that I see, and if number one, if you follow your social media, I've said it before, but literally the best memes and funniest things, <laughs> I, I enjoy that. And I steal a ton of your stuff. I don't give you credit. Sometimes I'll, I'll, I'll post good job. And that's my way of saying, Hey, I'm borrowing that, <laughs> but I appreciate it. Well, let me just say that some of the things I share on Instagram, the more quote unquote spicy stuff 
<laughs> share on like Snapchat or, you know, in group messages with friends or, 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 or stuff like that. But uh, yeah, but, but if you follow your social media, you see a ton of bricks. Yes. Ton of bricks. And, and so I'm always watching the bricks and I see the brick roundups and I don't know what they're <laughs> all called and they're from all over. And I just am a casual watcher. I've never did any, you know, digging into Meigs County, whether there's a pottery. I know like East Liverpool is a huge pottery thing. And I don't know if like Meigs made bricks a lot or so what's the story? How did the bricks come up and how, where's the infatuation and what, just give me the, give me the rundown on the bricks. So it's kind of weird and it, and it comes full circle. Well, first of all, it's Meigs County. Megs, oh, Meg's that's okay. Sorry, that's okay. <laughs> but I, I always called it East Palestine until you know the unfortunate train derailment. I was like, oh, it's Palestine, right? Okay, Megs, got it. Yeah, but um, Middleport had this rich uh, Middleport had, as Don Stivers would say, Middleport's a town of opportunity. If you get the opportunity to move, do it. Okay. <laughs> And it was, we would go to Lodge and the roads were just completely awful. I mean, potholes everywhere and they're tearing up this part of the street to redo a water line and doing a, you know, a half-assed job of of fixing it. And finally, the the town says, okay, we're going to tear up every street, redo the water lines and put the brick street and we're going to leave it up to the, the townspeople. You can either vote to put brick streets down because the brick is there, we've just paved over it, or we can pave the whole the whole neighborhood. Wow, okay. So they put it on a ballot, and the town overwhelmingly says, we want brick streets back in Middleport. I love that. They're all there. Where in, I mean, if you look at places like Athens, especially OU Campus Athens, rich brick street history, and court streets all brick, and... But anyway... All you got to do is pick the bricks up, fix your water line, put sand back down, level it out, and you're there. Yeah. Well, that is too easy. So even <laughs> though the people voted, okay. we want bricks, the town says, well, we're going to put down blacktop. So okay. on Memorial Day of 2016, okay, they start tearing up all the bricks and dumping them in this big hole in on the outskirts of town. And a local reporter like accosts the mayor. Why are they doing this on Memorial Day? You're just trying to hide this from the public. And the mayor says, we're not trying to hide it. We can't afford to put all these bricks back. It's cheaper. It's more economic to do this. Well, this is, is history. And she says, if you guys want them, come and get them. She's like, free brick. Okay, let's do this. Okay. So I went down with my wife and my sister-in-law and her boyfriend at the time, and we picked up probably 3,000 Middleport block brick. Whoa, okay. And I brought them home and put them in my front yard because I was going to make a sidewalk with them. Well, a month turned into two months, and two months turned into (laughs) a year. And finally, this lady stops and says, where'd you get all those brick? I was like, well, they were in Middleport. And she says, you know, there are people collect these like and trade them. It's like, that's stupid. Why do people do that? (laughs) 
It's okay. Brit. And she says, no, no, there's like an international group of people who collect these and trade them and go to swaps. And I was like, okay, you have my attention. Yeah. And she says, well, you learn like, here's Middleport and then Athens has some. And, and so then I just got, you know, all of the ones that were made here in Meigs County and then some from Athens County and, and my Middleport collection turned into a flower bed around my house. Okay. And somebody called and says, well, I saw you got all these brick. I've got a bunch of Athena bricks that I was going to do this from a chimney. And that's now a patio in my backyard. And it just, then I went to my first brick swap. And yeah. next thing I know, I'm, I'm mailing bricks to, I just sent a couple to Massachusetts and he sent me some from Vermont, one that says Vermont and one that says pray. And it's, it's this idea that it's just something that nobody really thinks about. Yeah. But if you think about, you know, this is something that even in biblical times, people were mixing mud and hay together to build the pyramids with sure. these bricks and it's our history. I yeah. mean, and then, you know, come to find out that Marcus Bosworth, again, that we talked about in the beginning, yeah. he owned one of the brickyards in Portsmouth. Yeah. So I have some Peebles brick from Portsmouth that was in his brickyards that he had a hand in that I now have. And, you know, I, it, it's just, it's different. It's, it's like a little bit of America yeah. that you get all over. And then, you know, some have sentimental value. I mean, I remember when they tore down my high school and they just dumped the bricks over the riverbank. Well, the river has risen and fallen several times since then. Sure. And I was in the park the other day and I was like, I'm just going to walk over the riverbank and see if I can't find any of it. So I actually have bricks from my old high school even. Yeah. Uh, and then, you know, there's some that like, I have one that says, don't spit on the sidewalk. It's like, why would, why would you have a brick that says don't spit on the sidewalk? And it come from Coffeeville, Kansas. Wow. Okay. And then you're like, well, what's this about? So then you dig into the history. Well, tuberculosis was a big thing. And to stop the spread of tuberculosis, they put these little bricks that say, don't spit on the sidewalk to help stop the spread of tuberculosis. Wow. Okay. But I mean, huh. Uh, the more you learn about it, I mean, it's it's really a fascinating history. And then, you know, my wife and I went to Wilmington, North Carolina this summer for vacation. Yeah. And we're walking down this little alley of old shops. And I've been down to tie my shoe. And lo and behold, there's a Middleport brick at my feet. And I'm like, how did that brick make it all the way from my little Ohio River town sure. all the way down here? But it's, and then you, you know, you look back at the Ohio river and right the, the clay and, and the, the river basin around here, the rich silt and the clay and the dirt all along, you know, Southern Ohio and up into Columbus and, and as, like I said, all over. Um, wow. Okay. Just different pieces of history. Well, that's, that's actually really cool. I, Obviously, I knew there was some sort of swap going on, but I had no idea that there are collectors all over, you know. There are, yeah. And um, like I I just went to a swap this weekend at a, at a little town called Haydenville. 
okay. which is, is up the road from Nelsonville, and it's just below Lancaster, which is where yeah. Mike McLandish is from. Absolutely. And we had this swap in a little parking lot, but, you know, we're sitting up there, and the local historical society is there and talks about the hot, the, oh, I can't remember the, I think it's the Hawking Canal. Yeah. That pre-Civil War era is the largest transportation between the northern part of Ohio and the southern part of Ohio, pre-railroad, and the sandstone locks are still there. Yeah. I... Um, it's just amazing. And you know, it's symbolic in a way because, you know, you're looking for that perfect brick. And what we do as Masons is we try to perfect ourselves or perfect our Ashler, make a perfect Ashler. Sure. So it's, you know, kind of a reminder even to, you know, better ourselves. I love and that. It, it's, Go ahead. So it, it, it's became a thing even at our lodge that I got Gary Coleman into brick collecting because he was down there. I called him and said, hey, you know, they're getting rid of these bricks. Let's get some for the historical society or let's go down and get. So he started collecting and then Don Stiver started collecting. <laughs> I and, love it. I love it. Yeah. So, I mean, well, you it, know, it, our lodge even started hosting brick swaps. I love so, that. You know, yeah. the cool thing, and I don't, I'll be a hundred percent honest. I don't have a ton of brick stories. <laughs> I have two and this one is, isn't even a brick story only because you brought up Nelsonville and I've been down there. Is that where they have the Paul Bunyan festival? Yeah. At Hawking college. Okay. I've been there way back in the day. So that's just a cool old memory. My uncle and I used to go down there, but we went this past uh, summer. We went to the Philadelphia Masonic temple and we interviewed, I interviewed, um, Right, Warsaw brother Jeff Wanderling, Grandmaster of Pennsylvania. But the night before, we went to Williamson Corinthian Lodge for their stated meeting. And they were selling. It was a lodge that is made up. Of, there's a lot of firemen in that lodge. And they were doing a brick donation. You know, you had to donate and you get your name on a brick. And our current Warsaw Master was with us. And I didn't realize, but he went up and sponsored one of the bricks in East Palestine 417. So, like you said there with, like, how did the Middleport brick get to here? If anyone were to see that brick from East Palestine and say, how did East Palestine brick get sponsored yeah. in Philadelphia? That's a cool little thing that I never thought of like yeah. that until now. So I really dig that. And I mean, you know, it shows the interconnectedness that makes up this country. Yeah. I mean, um, you know, you think of southeastern Ohio and from a historical standpoint, you know, it's not a place like Cleveland or Columbus. But the first coal-fired steamboat was built right here. The barges that we see going up and down the Ohio River all the time were made right here. Yeah. Um, the guy that gerrymandering is named after which is elderbridge jerry he owned the land that became pomeroy right um one of our congressmen who was very influential with um 
was on Lincoln's War Cabinet and was one of the founding trustees of Ohio State University. One of he he was good friends with Charles Dickens. Um, okay. Another, you know, congressman was uh, he practiced law with Edwin Stanton, who was Lincoln's Secretary of War. Yeah, I mean, I can just go on and on about the history, but I mean, it, it's just it all seems to come together. Sure, absolutely. So, the shifting gears just a little bit, and and it is halfway shifting gears because it's still enthusiasm. That Masonic enthusiasm that you carry, and you see on your social media all the time. What? When you put that out there, what's your thought behind that? Are you looking to just promote what's happening or are you, you know, fishing guys that may be looking and say, hey, this may be something I might do? You know, how is that? Is that I know myself as a marketer. I want to get pictures because I won't ever be able to live that moment again. Right. And, you know, that's sort of like that's something that I can take away from it and remember all the people that was there. I know. At you know Grand Lodge, I'm I got you in the the shops the one day we ran into each other and you know you meet so many people and you miss you forget because there's so many people you see or just did inspections or whatnot you talk to them or they sneak out the door before you get them and I want to inspire I want anybody to see that and say wow look at look at what's going on there like this is a whole different thing I'd never seen. What what's your thoughts on that? You know, putting that out, out into the public. What's your, or is it just something? Hey, this is what I'm doing. I want to I want to put it out so people can see it. Well, part of me wants to say it's it's this grand scheme to bring people into masonry, <laughs> but anything I do with mason, I've never had a bad time with masonry. Yes, and one of my favorite things to do every morning is while I'm walking my dogs or, or, you know, getting ready to go to work is I like to go through my Facebook memories. And it seems like every day there's always something that's like, wow, I remember that. Yeah. And that to me is why the pictures and everything is just for the memories of that. Absolutely. And you know, if somebody happens to want to join masonry because of something, then that's great. But that, that's not my goal. I mean, to promote masonry is great, but I'm not posting on a daily basis, hey, join masonry, hey, join masonry. Because, you know, at a point, it's like knocking on the door. Have you heard the good news? Have you heard the good news? No? Right. Let's talk right. about this. You know, <laughs> I don't want to be that guy because then, you know, you get that stigma. Oh, he's just... A going to talk to us about Freemasonry. Oh, he's going to bore us with another on this day in history post. Sure. That's just who I am. Um, masonry is, is since I joined has become a very big part of my life. Yeah. Okay. And I like sharing my life with people. I don't want to live a private life. I'm a very public person. You know, I, I always have been even in high school. Um, and I think it gives masonry an opportunity to not be one of those things that, oh, it's, it's a secret society. We're not supposed to talk about it. We're not supposed to tell anybody about it. Yes. No, let's talk about it. 
What do you want to know? And I've done that before. I said, you know, it's no secret that I'm a Freemason. What do you want to know about it? Yeah, exactly. Um, uh, and and this this open house thing that that Grandmaster Grendel has has put out. Uh, and again, a lot of the older people are like, oh, this is stupid. We're not going to see anything from this. We should just do it from 11 o'clock to 11.05 to say we did it. And then just uh-huh. go, no, let, bring them in. Let them see the lodge. Let's yeah. talk about it. And that's something, you know, after the brick swap that our lodge hosts in the parking lot, I'm saying, hey, I'll open the lodge up. We can go up. And I'll show you around if you want. And I've had five or six people after every swap come up and take a look around. Now, what does this do? Why? What's this pedestal middle of the room for? Well, that's the altar. Sure. That's where the Holy Bible is. And and just open that door and talk to people about it. That's it. I love it. I mean, like I put on on our thing that, you know, I'll give you a, a history lesson and I could talk about Marcus Bosworth. And this and that. And I've got pictures saved in my phone of, you know, times past in the lodge where if you look at on the main floor where the doorknob is to either go upstairs to the lodge room or down to the basement, that's the high water mark of the 1937 flood. And you got to think it's like waist deep on a porch that's 10 feet in the air. Whoa. You got to think how high the river really was. Yeah, that's, I that's mean, scary. That, that's, Holy cow. Yeah, that's something that opens the door to get people talking about it. Yeah, that, I think that's the key. And I obviously want everybody to be a Mason because I just, I love right. it. And, and and all of us are like that to an extent. But I think that, you know, sort of with my experience of having that time where I thought about it and didn't know how, it's that giving them the availability to see it a little bit. Yeah. Sort of that, like, listen, I'm just putting it out there. And if you contact me, we'll go down that rabbit hole all the way if we need to. But exactly. It's, it's just giving them an opportunity to say, Hey, this guy does it. And he's kind of normal. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm saying kind of with quotes, right. you know, my wife would not say kind of normal, <laughs> <laughs> but I don't think none of ours would. Uh so but you know, I mean to to tie it all together, people on Facebook, you know, I've I've even asked my kids and we've done an exercise before on if you your life is made up of what you post on Facebook, what would what would people say your life? And I ask my students all the time, what would you say my life is? That you're a dad, that you're a Freemason, and that you're a brick collector. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So because of that kind of stuff, and you know, the the networks that I have in Freemasonry and in this brick community, people, you know, for some reason think about you and then they do these nice things for you. Yeah. Hey, I, you know, I was at, so I, I found this brick in my yard. Do you want it? Sure. Hey, I found this cool old apron. Can you tell me what the, or this cool old sword, can you tell me what it's about? Sure. Do you want it? Yeah. Um, a, a couple of years ago when we held our first swap, the, one of the guys who still works at a brick factory was like, Hey, I made this for you. Wow. And it's this, it's this brick that says Middleport, Ohio, and it's got Meg's County's little boot in the Ohio river and a oh, pencil. Yeah. Mark. 
of and that was just really cool absolutely so um he he was talking to me the other day at Haydenville and he says is there anything I can make for you and I said you know I thought it would be cool to have like a brick with the square and compasses and just 363 on it and he says well how many of them do you want and I said well if you could make me like six of them that'd be great well why six and I told him well I want one obviously yeah. I said, plus Gary, who's a brick collector, and Don, who's a brick collector, will want one. And then I said, I want to put the other three in our lodge as the little pedestals in sure. the east, west, and south to give the three wraps when you're doing candidate work. Yeah. Oh, that'd be cool. So hopefully when, when the next time I see him, he said that he would take care of that. That's pretty cool. I love that. So... I kind of, my, my last couple things here, I got here. So this, this, I got to ask every time. Okay. Why Freemasonry? Why your elevator pitch? And I, and I imagine that this entire thing has been an elevator pitch, but you have, you know, from story one to the fifth floor with me. And I ask, yo, what's, what's the story with that hat? What that looks like a funny symbol. What is that a Masonic hat? Why'd you join that? Why should I well, join? <laughs> you know, back during COVID, when we started doing Zoom meetings and and things like that, uh, Paul Wegledge was a host of of a, a Zoom thing. Yeah, and one of his questions was, "Why did you join?" And I'm going to give you the same answer I gave him. Okay, I joined Freemasonry to beat anorexia. <laughs> yes uh, obviously I'm a big guy. Yeah, yeah we did it because i heard i thought the g in the square and compass stood for green beans for the longest <laughs> time <laughs> but um i joined because i was in high school marching band and i had a really close connection to the four other guys that I was in bandwidth for six years. Sure. And then high school came and went and we all went our separate ways and was looking for that kind of connection. Yes. And then when I find out, well, you know, this guy, you know, is in this organization and this guy, you know, and this guy, you know, and this guy, you know, why not give it a try? I love that. So that's why I, what got me interested, why, why I joined, what I was looking for sure. was a connection to be a part of a greater good. I love it. What do you think the future holds for you in Freemasonry? For me? This is tricky. This is a tricky question. Well, I don't know. Um, I, I want to ride masonry as far as it'll take me. Um, sure. And wherever that is, I'll be happy to go along. Um, right now, you know, I've, and it, it's a, an argument that sometimes I don't always see clearly is I want to be so involved, but then I got to remember that I'm a dad first yes. and, and my kids are going to be little for so long. Yep. 
So once they get a little bit older, then we'll see, you know, further where it goes. Like right now, other than just being secretary in my blue lodge, I'm also a worthy patron of an Eastern star, a high priest of a chapter. Uh, what is it? Senior warden and commandery. Um, the something in council. I, I'm on the on the dais in council. I can't. I'm the third highest in council. I can't remember it right now. But yeah. And then you know I've I've joined Shrine and I was just offered an invitation to join the Allied Masonic degrees, which I'm looking forward to. Yeah. What uh, what, uh, what council? Ohio River Valley Council in uh, Athens. Okay. I um I don't have the name. I was I was invited. Um oh when the heck was I supposed to go? Was it February, I think, and they actually one of the officers had a death in the family, so they canceled the meeting. Yeah. And they're in Steubenville. I can't remember the name of it. Son of a gun. So that's exciting. I'll have to when do you yeah. know when you're going? Um it is August. It's the fourth third or the fourth Monday in May. It would normally okay. be they only meet on the fifth Mondays of months, which I think there's four every year. But um they moved it to the fourth because of Memorial Day. But I'll send you all the info about it. Mike McClandish, he was one of them that he says, well, let me know and I'll be there because I knew him through Dr. Tribe, who was a member of Lancaster's AMD. And uh, and he said that he would be there because of that. Um, you know, yeah, let me know. I won't be able to go because I won't be. I right. Won't, ours isn't until August now with the setback. Okay. But yeah. Let, let me know how it is and, and I will get back to you on mine, too. That's just exciting. Okay. To not many but, people that are in the waiting in the wings like that. Right. And uh, it was one of those things that I kind of hoped that I would be asked, but I didn't say, hey, when are you going to ask me? You know. Yeah. Um, but it was funny because Roger Gal, who was most illustrious of, of Grand Council back in 2003, okay. he, he shoots from the hip. And is one of my favorite people. Matter of fact, the first time I met him, I, it was during my EA degree. And he comes up to me and says, now just remember what you're about to go through. Every swinging dick went through. It's like, now you can't say that. But he says, I can say anything I want. I'm a past illustrious master. What are they going to do? Kick me out? It's like, okay, gal, whatever. But, but uh, he asked me, he says, you heard of the Allied Masonic degree? I said, well, I've heard of it. I, I know it's an invitation. Only thing he says, okay, I was just wondering if you heard of it. No reason. And then about a week later, I get an email from Justin Elliott, who is the grand secretary for Ohio's AMD, yeah. inviting me to the June thing where they're going to do all the AMD degrees. And uh, then two weeks later i see tom Starr, who's the past grand commander for uh knights templar yeah and he says here here's an invitation to join the amd and i'm like wow that's pretty cool yeah but uh, so yeah. i i mean and it's kind of like history you know history tells us where we're going so we know where 
or where we've been so we know where we're going. Sure. And masonry, it, it seems like it's a never-ending journey. Yeah. I, I, I can remember finishing my proficiency return. You know, my... I sat down in the seat and I'm like, okay, I'm a Mason. That's what I wanted. And, and that truly was it. I never had an aspiration to do anything else. And to think of that moment and then just where the wave has taken me. And the same thing I was, I had right war for brother Jason Gorney on the show and he's from Pilgrim Lodge and they're, they're housed in Steubenville's temple. And he brought up AMD and I'm like, what's that? And he, he kind of told me and I'm like, well, I've seen, I've seen the symbol and I've seen some green sashes or whatever, but that is literally the extent of my knowledge. Right. And he, he kind of gave me a little backstory and he said, he's like, it's an invite only. And I'm like, Oh, you know, that's really cool. I, you know, I had no clue. That sounds really interesting. And I don't know when it was. It was after this. I couldn't put a date in. He messaged me. He's like, hey, what bodies at York right? He's like, what are your bodies? He's like, I want to see when your dates are. Maybe I can, we can meet up there sometime. And I shot him a message. And it wasn't two weeks later or something. I got an invitation in the mail. It's like, oh, I see how it was going. <laughs> so, but that that's really cool. That's exciting. I can't wait to hear how it went. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I really am. Uh, well, part of me. This will be the first thing I've been initiated in that that Dr. Tribe has not will not be around to to see. Um, I mentioned him early on in our conversation. And back in December, he fell down his stairs and had a a brain bleed. And recently I, I he he passed away. He's been he's been in the hospital for four months, but he passed away. Sorry. And one of the the biggest honors of my life was his wife asked me to do his funeral service. Wow. That's awesome. From somebody who, like I said, was at every initiation of everything. I'm talking all three degrees in blue lodge, everything in York, right? Scottish, right? The only thing he missed was shrine because I went into Parkersburg and he was a member in uh, Aladdin. Okay. Um, he didn't come to that, but it, it was truly an honor. And then, oh, you know, I, I presiding, I've got, had my, between his funeral was on, on a Saturday. And then the following Wednesday, I'm presiding over my inspection for Royal Arch Masonry. And I'm thinking this is going to be the first time I've ever been inspected that he's not been here. Wow. And at the end of his funeral, his wife says, Jordan, I have something I want to give you. And she gives me his past master's apron. Oh, man. And she said he would want you to have this. And it just so happened that I was being inspected in the past master's degree. So that was his way of being there. That's awesome. Um, and and. I was telling him in the hospital that I had gotten the invitation and he knew that his time was short. He says, well, I won't be there for that one. And, uh, he, he was coming in and out of lucidity and 
Yeah. And knowing who he was and what, you know, and he asked me, he says, well, can we get one last picture together? Sure. So we got that picture. And then a few weeks later, you know, I got the word that he had passed and his wife, like I said, called and was asking me about doing his funeral. And I got to stand as a night Templar guard the night before over his casket. Yeah. And then we did the Masonic service and Chad was there. Kapinski did a great, you know, had nothing but nice things to say about him. Sure. And Jeff Slattery, who's another, you know, uh, another guy from down here. And it was, it was something that he would have been proud of. That's awesome. And, and I've, you know, I was looking through the questions that you had sent me and you talked about what the low point is. And I'll just say that that is one of the things that I hate most about Freemasonry. And I don't hate a lot of things, but the yep. one thing that I, I really hate is that I get connected to a lot of these older guys and I'm going to be the one that has to bury them. You're exactly right. I mean, I, the chaplain, like I was, I was telling you from my two years at Harrisonville, his Masonic service is tomorrow night. Sure. Um, but, you know, we take with us that, that's that's part of my why is to keep going is because I know that these people had such an influential role on getting this lodge where it is. Sure. And it, it's my responsibility to keep it going for those guys. That's it. You know, it's we had um worshiper brother Dick McElroy just passed recently and he was he was master in 13. He gave me my entered apprentice degree. Yeah. And his his son John was master directly after me the COVID year. So he's my senior warden and you know kind of went through the chairs together and through the fire and we the Grand Lodge had made their recently their grand or not grandmaster, their past masters certificate that you can get that, you know, a thank you for serving your lodge. And when they came out, I ordered them for all the guys in the lodge that were living. They're like, you know what? That's a nice little thing. It'd be a nice right. presentation. And they came in and we were taking the picture. And John was there and he's like, hey, you know what? Well, I said, I'm like, we, we need to set up a time, go over and see your dad. And because he wasn't able to get out. And he's like, let's go over tonight. And I'm like, John, it's 8.50. You know, like, I, I don't want to go over. And he's like, no, you know, let's go tonight. And we went over and it, I think it was like a day later. Yeah. And you know, that that is the hardest thing. But, you know, you know, one of those things is they'll always be with us too. Yep. You know, even though they're gone, you know, they're with us and they're watching us and, you know, yeah. over top That's of us. That's something that that Ivan he would always he would never tell you good job because there's always he, and even in college he would never give you an A he would always give you an A minus because <laughs> there's always room for improvement so he would never like even after inspection I did the master mason at at Middleport and I thought I knocked it out of the park <laughs> and he comes up to me after and goes well 
you know what you need to work on. (laughs) (laughs) Always room for improvement. Right. Yeah. I love that. Well, I want to say, you know, I think we're at about two hours now. It's been the, the best part of podcasting like this is talking about something I love with somebody that loves it just the same, but it's, it's all different too. The, the loves are the same, but how they came are different and who and where in the story. And I, I just want to say from the bottom of my heart, Worshipful, thank you so much for coming on. It's been such a pleasure to learn about the bricks and the stories and everything. Thank you so much for being a part of the show tonight. Well, I want to thank you for having me. And, you know, I, I've listened to the podcast for a long time. And I think it's in episode 29 is when you first mentioned me and, and talking about Instagram uh and the funny stuff on there but uh i really enjoy my time you know talking with you tonight and if anybody take that that's listening takes anything away from it is live your charter and see one do one teach one i love it thank you so much and brethren thank you out there for listening and we'll see you again (music) 